0: Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I'm Ted Kluck, joined as always by my good friends and radio celebrities, uh, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Big R, you are really living the dream life of the church planner and, uh, and conference speaker, man. I mean, really just the dream that, that everybody endeavors to in this business. Um, you are holed up in beautiful Pittsburgh, PA, which I, I'm guessing is gorgeous this time of year, um, in a Homewood Suites, aren't you, baby? Is, is oh yeah, this, it's. Uh, is this everything you hoped it would be?
1: I think it is. I think you know there was a moment there when we were doing our our. How long was our pre prep today? Forty three seconds. Did you count, mm-hmm. Piper? Yeah, so there was a I moment.
2: Forty six, if you include us uh, looking oh, on Wikipedia for stuff. Gosh, yeah, that's right. I was gonna
1: try to get that count right, and
0: I knew I screwed it up by a few seconds. Fact. But Always some mundane detail, baby. There is, but
1: man, yeah, there was that moment when we were pre prepping, which half of it was talking about my time here at the Homewood Suites, Uh-huh. and uh, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, it's a great feeling being here just uh you know really uh you know imprisoned in a in a luxury uh you know residential suite you know waiting to uh attend a conference tonight in uh waterdam pennsylvania it it really is living the dream
0: well listen, I hope you realize how fortunate you are because there are a lot of church planners out there dreaming of that that self same thing so Absolutely,
1: and I don't take it for granted even for a second, big team. Baby, Just listen, you enjoy
0: that. every moment, okay? I am.
1: I'm enjoy. I mean, to, to even think that I could broadcast a show <laughs> uh, from the Homewood Suites, you know, I mean, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, when no, you I take know. the whole thing I as know. a collective entity, it's it's it's, it's uh, mind boggling and overwhelming. Plus, it is. <laughs>
2: as a frequent traveler, I'm really impressed that the Wi-Fi at the Homewood Suites is allowing you to do this. It's yeah, incredible. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's an that's incredible bit. Maybe they, maybe they want to sponsor an app or two, baby. You can well, they it. just
2: they,
1: they actually gave me my own Wi-Fi because they yeah. knew who I was when I was coming in. So your your that's, own
0: Wi-Fi, wow. Yeah. They, they hand you a little like router as you check in? The, no, the Wi-Fi is called Ronnie Martin. Yeah. That's the VIP so, Wi-Fi. Right. I love it. Well, gentlemen, we've got, uh, we've got a little bit more of a compact show today because of our, our various commitments. Um, so let's dive right in, guys. Uh, Barnabas suggested a new segment. Uh, that we're going to debut today called Unpopular Opinions. And the idea here is that we just pick a category. So w- one time it might be food, it might be celebrities, it might be books. Um, and we just give uh, each of us an unpopular opinion uh, because we all have these things that we carry around that, that we know are sort of against the grain. Uh, we know that most uh, people would disagree with us. Um, so I just want to kind of be in the interest of being authentic uh, just get the ball rolling and get these out here. So uh, today, boys, the, the the category is books. So we know that a lot of our listeners are very literate, thinky people who read a lot of books. They read and a lot know, of Wikipedia. And I know that because of their end-of-the-year blogs, which say all of the books they've read for the entire year. No, no, no. They only say the top 35 books they've read this year,
2: implying that they read at least twice or three times that many. Exactly, exactly. So, boys, what are your unpopular opinions on books, man? Let's start with you, B-Pipe. All right. Well, I'm going to start us off with one that uh, it it might qualify me to be kicked out of the church. I'm not not positive, but I'm going to go with uh, the Harry Potter series are better stories than the Chronicles of Narnia.
1: Wow.
2: Ayo. Oh, Piper let's, i' I'm let, throwing let's, that out let's there. think
1: ab- let's think about what you just said let's think about the implications of that because that's there's a lot of wizardry and witchcraft now that you've just
2: introduced <laughs> to wizardry right in 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 <laughs> fact there is a in, an academy of wizardry and witchcraft so called that's Hogwarts. what i'm saying yes
1: are you ad- now let are you advocating wizardry Barnabas is that Whisper- what i'm hearing from
2: you i I'm, <laughs> I'm advocating <laughs> um well, first of all, the Chronicles of Narnia doesn't just have wizardry and witchcraft. It, it does have both, actually. But it also has something called deep magic. So you've got, like, multiple layers of magic there. So as long as we're being consistent, let's point that out. Uh, no, what I'm advocating for is stories that are not um, sort of moderately well-written allegories of of the gospel Ending in a very weird tale of people walking into a shed, mm. uh, but rather a cohesive story that kids absolutely love, that adults absolutely love, that exhibits many of the best qualities of life. And, and it's just – it's a really fun read. Like the Chronicles of Narnia are not a fun read. They're right. simply not. Interesting. They are a read that Christians like because they're Christian books. They were like – They're allegedly a fun read. Yeah. They're they're a read that we are required to think is fun. Yeah. That's what they are. That's and uh, if we lose listeners over this, guys, uh, you can you can you can excommunicate me. But that that is my unpopular book opinion, and I will uh, I will take on all comers on Twitter on this one. Not to argue with you, but just saying, send me your feedback. But yes, Harry Potter as a series, better stories than the Chronicles of Narnia.
0: Wow, baby, that is outstanding. Way to yeah, get Yeah, I don't even
2: know where
1: to go with that. Other than really, I, I I agree. I think with at least nine out of your ten points you just made. Piper. So I didn't know I was
2: making 10 points, but
1: I don't know. Ninth.
0: I just, I don't know how to count sometimes. I'm not a math pastor guy. Pastor math. But, um, yeah, you inflated it. That's, but that's you are a reformed do. pastor, meaning you number all of your points. So, I, Well, I, I, only ever,
1: I only have three points at the end of every sermon, obviously. Mm. But um, I should probably bump that up to five, right? Absolutely. Really babe, but you need
0: to be going, listen to me, you need to be going for at least an hour if you're going to call yourself a true Reformed sermon. so It's
1: true. I, I I went 54 minutes three weeks ago. It was the longest I'd ever uh, gone. Half the, I thought half the church was going to get up and
2: quit on me. Wait, you preached for 54 minutes? Did you take the next Sunday off because you preached two sermons? Yeah, I haven't preached for a month since then. I, I, t- I told them I needed that much recoup time.
0: Absolutely. Guys, you want to know something, man? You want to know <laughs> something crazy, just vis-a-vis these <coughs> church trends. So I listened to a Tim Keller sermon from 1994. You know how long it was? Twenty five. Eighteen minutes. Dude, was it eight, a was it a sermon minutes. at a church? That's a Ted talk. A Sermon at a church in nineteen ninety-four, man. That's his a- church? A that was Keller's yeah. church? His church, I, I assume. It was on his like wow. sermon podcast, you know, lineup or whatever.
2: Tim Keller was the original TED Talk artist. He really
0: is, it's true. Dude, but here's the thing. It was a great sermon. You know what I'm saying? It it, it was it was really tight. It was really good. Um I don't know. That's all I'm going to say about that. But it, it's just an interesting, I think, commentary on the on the trends. But we're getting off topic. Because- we are,
1: and Ted, I'd like you to go next, man. I'd like you to go next because what I'm going to say is going to really, I, I'm going to lose my place on this podcast in probably evangelicalism uh, after my my uh, my comments. Oh so uh, well, first, you so can, know,
0: yeah. you boys have both set the bar really high. And, <laughs> and actually, Pipe, I was going to, I was actually going to go in a similar direction vis a vis not. Not really caring for Lewis and Tolkien, which is which is like double heresy within the church. But since you kind of took that one and you and you did such a nice job with it, I'm going to talk about a genre of books that we all had to read in middle school. Um, and I'll use the I'll use the title White Fang. Did you guys read White Fang, Jack? Yes, Lund- Jack London's book. I think I read that yeah. when I was like ten and thought it was I so magical. It. When I was, I 10. bring this up because I was having a talk about relationships with a with a college guy here at the at the prestigious university where I teach. And, um, and he was referring to the, the White Fang phenomenon in terms of relationships. And you'll recall at the end of White Fang where it's one of these stories where, like, in order to do the best thing for the dog that you've just gotten attached to for the last 200 pages, the owner has to sort of meanly turn the dog out into the wilderness for its own good. You know what I'm saying? And this guy was uh, – he was explaining that he had to White Fang a girl in a relationship. Wow. He had to get rid of her, but it was really for her own good. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I love
2: that phrasing. It's so, yeah, so awful. White fang.
0: So maybe you've had to white fang someone in a relationship. And if so, that would be really sad. But the point being, it reminded me how much I hated all these books, all these friggin' depressing novels that we had to read in middle school where they get you attached to the dog and they show you what an amazing companion the dog is. And then they kill it off or they have it get lost at the end. It just, it, it, it just rages me out. Yeah, I think it's easier to
2: name books where the dog does well. Than, yeah. I'm sorry. It's, it's easier to name books where the dog dies than where the dog does well.
0: Like Yeah, there's so few books where the dog... Sounder.
2: Goes. There's Where the Red Fern Grows. There's uh, <coughs> yeah. Old Yeller being the classic. What Absolutely. else? What else do we have? Uh, White Fang. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the entire genre. And, Dude, and they're kids' classics.
0: One day, I'm going to write a book where... The kid becomes really good friends with a dog, and then he just gets to have a long life with him and keep <laughs> enjoying it.
2: And then the kid gets turned loose into the wild, and the dog gets the house?
0: Yeah, the dog has to turn the kid loose into the wild. <laughs> take, what a, about, take the what kid about out behind the, the shed.
1: The, what about where the kid
0: just dies at the end and right. of the dog? <laughs> How about nobody dies? Nobody gets white fanged. Nobody dies.
1: You're just saying happily ever after. That's Can we, that's the Can book we I'm back right.
2: up to having to white fang somebody in a relationship? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to picture the person for whom that's like a cultural point of reference.
0: Yeah, like yeah.
2: They, they picked a, a relatively obscure Jack London book. Now, Grant, I mean, it sold a lot of <laughs> copies, but it's not exactly yeah. a New York Times bestseller today. And yeah. they use that as their point of reference for breaking up. Dude, whatever you're picturing, it's probably right. Okay. Well, oh, that's all I'm, I'm, going to I'm say. just going to let my imagination run with this because that kid is uh he's something else.
0: Is this kid might be a listener? Like it's it's probably like 60/40 that he's a listener. All yeah, right. for well, sure.
2: That's just what I
1: was
0: thinking, man. Did, he's,
2: uh, he's already on the Ted Clock tip right now. He's been following you for years, man.
0: Absolutely.
2: Did you offer any correctives to him or did you just sort of, you know, you just sort of went with it?
0: <laughs> no, I loved it. I thought I thought it was incredible. You just that sort of shrugged like, and said, "Well, at least you didn't old yell or her." Yeah, yeah, exactly. It Could be worse, right? It could be a lot. Yeah. All right, Ronnie, you're up.
1: Yeah, you know, I hate to even go here. So, you know, at some point, uh, I just should probably I should probably just let the listeners know that at some point, if you if you hear uh, if you hear
0: Barnabas just slamming the phone down in anger, you know, that's that <laughs> should be expected and by the but phone you, know, you mean just all the high end recording equipment that he has in his studio. Well that's what I'm saying. You know, people yeah. don't understand the kind of technology we're, we're working with. I here actually keep I actually keep a rotary phone
2: with me just so I can slam it down slam it, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. because pressing the buttons on touch screens is not as satisfying. It's no, a
1: mix no. of digital and analog technology that we use here on the podcast. People need to understand that. But what what also people need to understand dude and the
0: analog fans are going to love that from you man. You gotta, They are. They're going to like people,
1: it. Yeah. They're they're going to like that i'm still dabbling in in that in that world but this is this is what my this is what my reformed friends are not going to like and i've only told very few people this i think big t you're one of the people i've told this wow, but there man. is a book I... that has been sitting on my shelf for many 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 years it's been picked up attempted to have been read many okay. times always put back when i get to chapter 2 and it's a book that I like to refer to as Desiring God.
2: Oh wow! Well, I haven't read it either, so I can't say much. <laughs> I also I also attempted to read it several times, and then realized I think I just would rather talk to the author. It's uh, it's easier that way. I think
1: you have. I think correct me if I'm wrong, Pipe, but I think you have the benefit of that.
2: Yes, that's but a, um, it's a thing that I can do.
1: Yeah. you know it's funny so here 's my experience with it is that this is interesting and so it sounds a lot describing it like that makes it sound a lot worse than it is because yeah. you know obviously i 'm a huge j p fan i 'm a reformed guy I have to be it 's just in the cards it's it's part of the it's, it's part of your uh you know it's, it's, it's part of your uh you know what makes you who you are in this world absolutely so having said that and, and to make this as is uncomfortable for Barnabas as humanly possible. Um, it's, it's not that I disagree with the book on any level or any point. It's just that I feel like I've had so many people talk to me about that book. I've seen it quoted. I've quoted parts of it so many times that I feel it like when I start reading it, it almost feels like one of those things where you want to go back to it but you almost can't go back to it because you've already read it. Mm. And, um, it's just, it's, it's the, it's the weirdest thing for me because I almost feel like I'm almost somehow disqualified doing what I'm doing because I've never read that book. It's, it's like second to the Bible as being like the most, yeah you know, the, the most mandatory reads, you know, and, and, um, and and for some you, reason, even in seminary, they didn't make me read that thing. And, um, so I, I don't know what it is with that. But I'd, I'd love to get a little uh, feedback from you boys. Uh, again, Barnabas, I have no clue what this is doing to you right now. But Big T,
0: I don't even know if you've read it. Dude, I have. And, and listen, have you already given your talk there at the at the Homewood? No, not yet. So, you, so you haven't given the talk. You haven't been paid. Baby, I wouldn't be surprised if you got a call from the conference director just saying, you know, Ronnie, we heard uh, we heard you recording today. Uh, through the walls of the studio, and and we just think we're going to go a different direction for our talk. So. Guys, you know what?
1: A text came in. Uh, they
2: canceled
0: yeah. my sesh, um, so we, we can <laughs> extend the, the podcast. Stinking homewood.
2: <laughs> they said that was an encrypted
0: Wi-Fi line. <laughs> That's right. They said Ronnie Martin Network was secured. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I guess
1: here's my question, boys. I, yeah. I'm a reader. I read, I read like an animal. That book has been, you know, animals struggle difficult. with literacy, right? They, sometimes they do not, not the, I'm, I'm a cat guy. They don't. Oh, you're thinking of like CS
2: Lewis's animals. Going no, no back. dogs
1: struggle with literacy. Cats don't. That's why I'm a cat guy. My point is that I've tried to read desiring God. I can't, I just can't seem to do it. That doesn't say anything bad about the book as much as it says something bad about me. Uh, Let, I, let's, let's, let's do some commentary.
2: Whoa, whoa, that. whoa. Well, let's, uh, let's back off this whole judging ourselves based off of uh based off of other people's opinions about books. Um I don't think it makes you a bad person to not have read that book. Uh it, to me, based on my completely objective observations of these things, Desiring God has reached a similar place to a book like uh Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Right. Which is a book that influences all the people who influence other people, but most people nowadays are not, you know, avid fans of it. So, you know yeah, it, that was one I had a real tough time with actually knowing God. I, it, I
0: didn't, it didn't do anything for
2: me. They are classics in the sense of like, man, that was a really important book. back when people read it. Yeah. But right. uh,
0: I, I don't
2: think you need to feel bad, Ronnie. I really. As a, I'll serve as a proxy for the author here and just relieve you of that, that burden. I mean, obviously
1: I don't feel bad. I only feel bad because I'm afraid
2: you might feel bad. So that's why I just kept saying I felt bad, but you know, you know, there's not a lot of things people can say about my dad's books that make me feel bad. And for a couple of reasons, uh, one is I don't care. And two is <laughs> I haven't read most of them. So I have no idea if what people are saying is true. I've read right. a few right. of his books. So yeah. So yes. anyway, but, you know, so you guys get what I'm saying, though, as, as a, I do,
1: as, as a dude, as a pastor, as, as a reformed guy that's strictly in the, you know, the the John Piper camp of theology. It's just one of those weird things. It's hard for me to explain to, to guys because yeah. I, rec- I I even recommend that book to people that have read it, enjoyed it, and they, they want to dialogue on it. And I go, yeah, let's 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 listen to you dialogue about it.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe it's one of those things where when you write JP, you would be like you know, I'm normally a huge fan, but dot, 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 right? <laughs> yeah, that might even be too harsh. Again, Similar to I that dynamic we, uh, that we discussed last week. Well, boys, speaking of liking things and and speaking of, you know, what to like and knowing what to like and sort of going public with the things that you like, kind of un, un- unrelated to anything, it wasn't a main point last week, but we, we've all three, I think, expressed – uh, at least some degree of of fandom for some of the work that Kanye West has done in the past. Um, you know, we all talked about records of of his that we liked and uh, some of his artistry that we appreciated. and uh, And we got a letter, um, not nearly as funny as the one that we read on the air last week. It was actually, um, you know, really articulate and respectful. Not that the other one wasn't, um, but it kind of wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> But this guy very, I think, wisely wanted to know. So, OK, Kanye's music is full of, you know, all this controversial stuff, all the all the language, all the misogyny. Um, how do you how do you sort of decide to like something like that? Um, which I thought was a really insightful question. So I'll uh, I'll throw it to you guys. Uh,
1: Gosh, I think Yeah, go ahead. I, yeah, yeah, I, I'll I'll, I'll,
0: uh, I'll go ahead
2: and jump in and uh, and do feed, feed the sharks first. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, in, in appreciating just about anything, whether it's any sort of art, music, performance, sports, whatever, there's a certain level of segmentation that goes on in terms of you can appreciate aspects of things without appreciating the whole. You know, so it's the same reason I can enjoy watching certain athletes play uh, who are not good people. Uh, and right. And they do some pretty abhorrent things, but their performance on the field is transcendent now music's a little tricky because it's lyrics and i mean and there's there's the lyrical message but there's also the lyrical art form and all of those kinds of things but I think I think you can appreciate the talent and the expression and the artistry of something without uh condoning the message and and I think how you express that is something too like I don't jump on Twitter and post all of the things that I appreciate because I know that there's something that will offend uh, other people. And so I'm, I try to be somewhat careful about those things, but, but I think, I think you can appreciate many aspects of, of, of artists or athletes or whatever, without appreciating the whole and without endorsing the whole.
0: Yeah, I agree. Big R. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean,
1: that's on point. I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I I think, um, I think, narrowing down what what piper just said you know I, I i mean to even call myself a kanye fan is i mean that's that's um that's probably taking things to a place that i don't, I don't think you know i would even go um in as much as i can say hey i heard a song or there was a particular record that kind of struck me um and again whatever sort of provocative nature that that he chooses to uh to you know to to sort of use in his writing um you know, I'm not necessarily drawn to things of that nature. I think for me, especially when I'm listening to a genre that I don't typically love, you know, hip hop's one of those genres, um, I'm more of a production guy. So it kind of, it does go back to what Piper was just saying. Um, I'm listening to ha- how he mixed the record, what kind of sounds he was using, what kind of tones he used. And um, because there's a production aspect to, um, to what all these hip hop producers are doing that was very much sort of similar and in line with, with a lot of my old production. And, um, so I, again, yeah, I can listen to it on, on that level, but to even be, to even say that I'm a fan, I think is way too strong because it's not, he's not an artist that I go after. He's not, you know, I don't have his whole back catalog. And, um, yeah. And I think you can be, um, I, I think you just have to use, uh, discernment, you know, I think, um, I think enjoying something from an artistic standpoint, doesn't mean that you have to become a mouthpiece for it e- either, you know? So
0: yeah, what do you think, Big T? Very pastoral of you, baby. I appreciate. I appreciate it. that. Um, yeah, no, for me, I mean, I, I always choose music that makes me feel a certain way, and I think so your emotions
1: based with it, then, dude. I, I'm totally
0: emotions yeah. based. I mean, that's you know, music I, I, in a nutshell, isn't it? Like, music it is, is supposed to make you feel something. I think it Absolutely. is. I think it is. And I, I remember hearing some singles off that record, uh, "The Beautiful Dark, Twisted Fantasy," the one that the one that I talked about last week, and. Yeah, I just really liked them and I was actually this is sad. I was running uh like seniors track and field events at the time. Like we we had these uh we had this summer track and field series where like adults could do it and I was running sprints and I would always train to that record. Um and I feel like it was really good for that. Like it got me in a certain frame of mind and I enjoyed I enjoyed how it made me feel on that level, but the but the thing of it was and this this kind of speaks to the the listener's question Um, I really did after a while, after lots of like the same kind of workout, listening to the same record, like it really, it really did get me down on one level. Like there, there was a lot of the content that, you know, I don't know if guilt or conviction is the right word for it, but, but yeah, I just felt, I felt sort of dirtied by it on a, on a soul kind of level. And that doesn't mean I threw the record away. I didn't, I didn't make the big sort of, you know freshman in college flourish of like burning all my CDs or selling them, which was a great way to get records at Taylor university where I went, go, go find, go find all the people who just, who uh, yeah. just got uh, saved again and after they would. Yeah. After they would do the secular music, get all show. their Aerosmith yeah. records. Yeah. It was a great way to score records, but, uh, but no, I didn't do any of that, but I, I just, I, I kind of pulled it out of the rotation and, and now I listen to it just very sparingly. So, so
2: here's a question kind of <clears throat> digging, maybe d- digging a little bit deeper
0: into, cause I think this is probably the,
2: the, the crux of the question because the way it was asked wasn't like, how could you guys listen to that? It was much more, how do you choose when and how to listen to things like that? So, yeah. so Ted, you expressed positive, uh, you know, positive feelings about that. But then after a while it began to wear on you to some degree. Yeah. And, does, is that an indication that, that you should not have listened to it in the first place Dude, or, that's a great- or are there things that because of the sort of the nuanced nature of
0: how we enjoy them, we can yeah. only take them in doses. I think it's more the latter. You know, I think for me, I didn't feel like, you know, this deep sense of, you know, I have to confess to the Lord and my accountability partner that I listened to a lot of Kanye West for a little while. Um, so, so I don't think it was a sin issue. I think for me, it was more of a, more of a wisdom issue and more of just a, th- this isn't who I am. You know, this isn't, you know, constantly sort of, you know, downloading this kind of information and in this kind of like worldview. It's just, it's just not who I am, you know, and it's not, and what's more, yeah. it's not who I want to be. Um, that's not to say throw it out, throw it away. I mean, there's still so much of that stuff that I enjoy. So um, is, it, is it a little bit like. Like eating habits, you know, ice cream yeah. is
2: delicious, but if you ate a pint of ice cream every every day, uh, you would probably feel awful about yourself and be really unhealthy. But mixing it in every now and again is awesome, and we should all do it.
0: Dude, I think that's a really solid analogy. Actually, like I really enjoy ice cream once in a while, but I, like you said, I would not enjoy it every day. It would mm-hmm. make me feel horrible. So, um, so yeah, I think that's I think that works. So hip hop is Ben and Jerry's end of story. It's auditory ice cream. <laughs> There you go. Amen. People are going to be disappointed because I, I, I think, you know, people always want to know, they want to know boundaries. Like, they want to be told, you know, this is okay, this isn't okay. Um, and it, interestingly enough, Pipe, you'll, you'll appreciate this, I think. Like, I feel a lot less that way about, you know, an artist like Public Enemy. Um, I feel like I can listen to that as much as I want, and it doesn't give me the, the downs. You know what I mean? It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't bum me out. It doesn't make me feel, like, low-grade guilty. You know but but I think that was before you know hip-hop got really sexual and really misogynistic and, and really that,
2: yeah there's know. there's a distinct difference like if you go listen to like Tupac is my favorite hip-hop artist and I am not up on most new hip-hop although I will say that uh, Kendrick Lamar's performance at the Grammys was one of the best things I've ever seen but mm. that's uh, that's a separate point you, sh- you should look it up um, but there was a difference in hip-hop. At a different, you know, it was uh, it was it started as civil rights music, and then it became it was message music, and right. it and it slowly morphed into sort of uh, narcissistic clubbing, misogynistic music. And I think so. I think there are periods of hip hop where th- there's 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 better poetry, there's better message, there's better everything. Even if they are they they are profane, they are sexual, and you have to be careful with those things. But right. the, the the underlying message of it is better. Yeah. Um,
0: Agreed, agreed. Well, boys, let's uh, let's close with uh, with something that we almost never talk about in this program, uh, and that's politics. We are we are heavy in the midst of uh, of a an election cycle uh, here for the presidency, and uh, there's a lot of a lot of wild kind of opinions being thrown around about uh, about people, and and I have to I have to come clean on something. There was a there was a time, a very short time in my past, where I pretended to be sort of the Christian who's into politics. Like I wanted to take on that persona for a little while and see if it would stick because I, I kind of thought people like that were cool. Um, but the fact of the matter is I really, really don't care. Like there, are, there are so many things I, I care about way more than who becomes the next president. So I have to, I have to preface this by letting you guys know that you're going to be doing most of the, most of the heavy lifting on this topic, but.
2: Well, I, uh, I think your attitude, uh, carries over into why we don't talk about politics on this show very much. And I must say this, it's not an intentional decision not to, it just yeah. never comes up when we're talking about, you know, dude. it never what, comes up because there's so many things we be. care about
0: way more than, than it, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, I would, I would rather argue about Harry Potter and, uh, <laughs> and the Chronicles of Narnia ad nauseum <laughs> than, uh, than talk Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. But we <laughs> yeah. try to give the people what they want as Jalen
0: Rose says on his podcast. So Dude. And, and he's really the, I think the kind of the auditory mentor for all of us, you know? I mean, really what, what Jalen Rose is doing is, is kind of a great blueprint for what we want to be doing. Yeah. I think we should just follow in his footsteps. In life and on the podcast. So big R you brought, <laughs> you, you brought this one up and, uh, you brought it up more in the context of like all the, all the hand wringing and like sky is falling yeah. you know, ness of, of people, looking at this election, specifically looking at Trump and Hillary and going like, if, if either of those two clowns gets elected, I'm going to, I'm going to like flee to an island in Canada. Um, in your point, make it, make your point. I think, I think this is a really good word for any sort of Christian in the midst of an election cycle, what, what were you trying well, to say? Yeah,
1: I, I, I just always, cause you know, I'm not a political guy, you know, I never yeah. have been. And, um, so I'm always a little, you know, there's this, There's this idea that we as believers, you know, we are putting our trust in the one who we believe is actually what the Bible tells us is responsible for putting world leaders in place. Mm. And so I feel like if we if we actually believed that, then every four years we wouldn't we just we wouldn't like just do this sort of this self assaulting that we see. where like everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And even beyond that, just the shock and the awe and the surprise that seems to just kind of like explode outward by candidates doing things that all candidates have always done. And of course, given sort of the times that we're living in are going to be able to do with much more frequency and much more uh, applause and with much more, um, you know, a sense of, you know, uh, you know, provocativeness, if that's a word, if it's not, I just made yeah. it up. But um, so I just think like, why is anybody surprised at, at Trump? Why is anybody surprised at sort of the, you know, the audaciousness of like, you know, some of the things that are coming out of both sides of the campaign. And and then, and then it just turns into sort of this heightened fear. And I just think like, you know, and again, to, to simplify it, and I'm being very, very, very simplistic here, but I just feel like the sun has never like risen and set for me or been dependent on who's sitting in the, in the chair in the white house. You know what I mean? And again, that's being very simple about it, but at the, and again, I can be too apathetic about it. So I'm not trying to say let's not care at all as much as to say, let's care about it in like, let's care about it in a, in the most biblical way possible, which is just saying, man, there's somebody else that is in control. And um, if we can, if we can set our trust on Him, who we believe, of course, is God, then I think we would approach this um, w- with with a little more security than, than it seems like we do. But I, I think
2: know. I think you can expect a text message coming through from your conference uh, saying, you know, after that last comment, we might let you back on stage because because uh, <laughs> that little that little sermon uh, more than redeemed you. Either that or they're kicking me out of the denomination. I don't know.
1: You know, I don't know where we're at with that. But uh, you know, we're not Baptists, so maybe I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Because guys, I just, I feel like I, this, every four year thing is just, I literally feel like I just need earplugs, you know, a year before the mm-hmm. election. basically every, yeah, every four
2: years, it just, it becomes like white noise to me. To, to me, my, my perception of people's <laughs> response to it is, is that it's, it's, it's high stakes reality television. That's, that's how people respond to it. So like, if you're on Twitter during one of the debates, Republican or Democrat, doesn't matter the way that people are going after it is, is I have certain friends who watch the bachelor and I have certain friends who watch the debates. They are the exact same Twitter streams about completely different things, which should tell you something like this is, this is being played for the media and people's responses to it are falling into that and that's not saying that the presidential election doesn't matter because i it does obviously this is, is a governing body and you know running one of the most powerful countries in the world but but to, i think the thing that people need to look at is is our response even remotely reasonable mm-hmm. I mean, are, have we completely lost our minds Look, it, 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 I would venture to say a fair number of people have completely lost their minds because Trump is currently leading the Republican nomination, and that's an indication that we're all crazy. But uh, but losing our minds about that is I somewhere between unbiblical and stupid. I'm not sure where. Um, and so I don't know. I just I look at it and I go, why are we responding to this with the same sort of like uh, sort of trite response on the one hand and like losing our minds on the other hand that people respond to to the bachelor or to to these other whatever reality tv shows that's what it feels like to me and i it so i just want to i i feel like telling people that if you have a response to this there are level-headed reasonable well thought out well-considered ways to do it that will likely have a better impact and the other thing is none of those things happen online
1: yeah, no, you're, I I totally agree. But let me ask this question: Do you think part of it though is that because we have sort of we sort of grew up in that whole like religious right sort of that you know th- that focus on the family that Uber you know you know Christians need to be you know entrenched in politics. We stepped away for too long. We got to get in that that sector now. We got to make some waves. We got to make our voice known. So like I grew up in that, and so that became so distasteful to me that I think what I've done is I've pulled back to the point to where I look at it and I go, well, I don't want to be in that class or that category of people that are just so concerned about things that they actually don't get to change. And that really actually puts them in a position of losing, to me, the credible part of their voice rather than actually having something to say at all. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah,
2: I, I think so. And I, I think the religious right aspect of things has I mean it's it's polarizing no matter what, because it either sucks people into that vortex, which is like the flushing toilet, or it or it drives people away because they want no part in it. And so like I, I would tend to be more like you guys where when all this stuff goes crazy, I just sort of back away and go, you know what? I'm gonna go watch Justified on Netflix because it's way <laughs> like I don't come away from that crazy. It's way more entertaining, and uh, and the same thing is going to happen tomorrow. Whether or not I watch this debate and lose my mind, or go watch Justified,
1: yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go read some Harry Potter, not C.S. Lewis, and I'm gonna just
2: enjoy myself. Yeah, I'm gonna go read Harry Potter to my kids. That's
1: what I'm gonna do. Don't um
0: be real careful what you're saying now, Barnabas. (laughs) You just don't read them, White Fang. It'll bum them out. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get super depressed. <laughs> They're going to go dump somebody because they read White Fang. Just you know, yeah. just
1: add some love, comes softly in there every
2: once in a while, and you'll you'll you know you'll wise words, wise words. Well, I think we solved the political thing. So, listeners, uh, you're welcome. Yeah, absolutely, man. We really I do. I, do. I
1: feel a peace now, and I feel like. Really, any questions that anybody's had about Trump or Hillary, I I feel like we answered those, didn't we?
2: Have we covered those bases? Well, here's another quick thing. I feel like some people forget this. Um, Everybody who is going to uh, move to Canada, if Trump wins, Canada is a semi-socialist nation. And so if you don't like (laughs) Bernie Sanders, you probably don't want to move to Canada either. And I'll just stop there. Right. Right. I don't know. I just don't
1: really want to move. Is it okay if I don't move? No matter who. Maybe you uh, stay
0: there in Ashland. Ashland is like its own sort of uh, municipality. In that, I, I think a democratic a, a Democrat being in office like makes no difference there. Yeah, don't. Yeah, worry. I don't think and, it'll and, matter. And they're never coming to Ashland, so you're fine. Yeah, yeah. You you guys are your own thing, man. You're a self contained unit there. In okay, Asia. I feel
1: good now. Thanks for affirming that, guys. I feel like I can.
0: I feel Baby, like you I just can sleep now through the elections. You just put on your American flag sweatshirt and uh, and and. Sit out on the front porch. Listen once to in a while. some Lee
2: Greenwood. Yeah. yeah,
0: listen to a little Lee Greenwood, baby. Have you ever done this? One of one of my favorite things to do when I go to visit a new evangelical family whose house I've never been in before is <laughs> see how long it takes to find the Ronald Reagan biography. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I feel absolutely. like it's always like on an end table, like sitting under a lamp, but it's but it's always there, you know.
1: And you know what the new thing is now? You know what I've noticed now, and I'm going to get what? in big trouble for this one. But it's not just the Ronald Reagan biography. The, the new school version of that is finding one of Bill O'Reilly's killing blank, blank books.
0: Oh, yeah, man. If they want to go really edgy, if they want to really be out there about, about what it is that they feel.
1: Yeah, Killing Lincoln,
2: Killing Jesus, whatever the names of those books are. Yeah, that's, that's what I feel like softly. Is littering
0: the end tables. of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Killing, yeah, Killing Me Softly, was, that's, that's a really – O'Reilly nailed that one.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, boys, we've done uh, we've done what we often do on this program. We've wandered uh, to and fro, and uh, as always, the uh, the gentlemen from Resonate Recordings have made us sound uh, like the best versions of ourselves, um, which sometimes is is not saying much, but uh, but we appreciate it anyway. And uh, guys, uh, we need to let Big R go and be famous and live the dream there at the uh, at the Homewood in uh, in rural Pennsylvania. Um, and pipe, I need to go uh, meet with a student about screenwriting. So, well, uh, see if you can mix in some White Fang references. I really will, man. I'm going to talk about a film adaptation of White Fang. I think it has to happen.
2: I think there is um,
0: one already, dude. There is, but it's it's probably super depressing. In my version, uh, the dog and the and and the main character will just stay friends and, and be together. <laughs> So, hey, and
1: Piper, I don't know if you know this, but they made some film adaptations of your beloved Harry Potter
2: series, too. So. I do. Also, also better than every film adaptation of every C.S. Lewis thing that has ever been attempted. Well,
1: you so, know what? Nobody's, nobody in the world could possibly
2: argue with that. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's just points in my favor on why Harry Potter are better, uh, better stories than the Chronicles of Narnia.
0: Yes. There you have it, folks. Controversy, as always, here on the Happy Rants. Uh, And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans.
1: Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith?